0: Real Impact is the podcast of Performance Development Group of Malvern, Pennsylvania. In each episode, we talk with colleagues and experts about the talent development challenges facing business today. My name is Rich Mesh, and welcome to Real Impact. What happens when leadership development doesn't work? Sometimes we have the best intentions, but the worst outcomes. We'll discuss that and more with author and leadership expert, Katie Tynan. Katie is the author of the book, How Did I Not See This Coming? A New Manager's Guide to Avoiding Total Disaster. And today we're talking to author and leadership expert, Katie Tynan. Katie, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: McKinsey published a really thought-provoking article on why leadership development doesn't work. I think you and I have already had this experience. We know that there is an awful lot of leadership, quote-unquote, training, leadership development out there that isn't really very effective. And one of the challenges I think people face is that they go into the effort of developing leaders with the best intentions, but somehow we just don't quite get there.
1: Yeah, I think you and I have both seen this a lot in our work with clients and with organizations that we know we need leadership development. We know that we need to help people understand how to be leaders, but we're not particularly effective at creating learning programs that create sustained behavior change. And that's what I would really draw out here is the difference between having a program that feels valuable to the person who's taking it. It feels valuable to the facilitator. It felt good to the person who designed it. And yet it does not produce the outcome, which is a change of behavior on the part of that manager of adapting their leadership and management style to be more effective.
0: So we'll get to some of what McKinsey found in a moment, but if you think about what we would consider traditional leadership development, we put everybody in the classroom, we fill their heads full of cool ideas, why would something like that leave leaders unprepared?
1: Well, I think it's so out of context. And so it's easy to sit in a classroom and role play something like a difficult conversation. And then, first of all, when you're in the really real world, that difficult conversation doesn't come up days before when you have time to prepare and think about it. It comes up suddenly in a meeting and you have to respond on the fly or it might not look like it looked in your role play. And so when you have these things that are out of context, it's very hard to then jump into that actual situation and respond in the way that you practiced in the classroom. And so that context issue of how do I do this in practice as opposed to what does the theory look like, that's the biggest disconnect that I see for most leadership programs.
0: And interestingly enough, a lack of context is actually one of the big issues that McKinsey brought up in their article. And and I have to say that I agree with you. I've often felt that one of the biggest challenges of leadership development is that if I give you a leadership book to read, if I give you Peter Drucker or Stephen Covey, odds are pretty good that anybody can read that book and understand what those guys are talking about. In that sense, I think that leadership concepts are not hard to understand. Where leadership gets hard is when you have to take those concepts and actually take action on them. And then something that sort of makes sense when it's in your head suddenly seems very, very complicated when you actually have to execute on it.
1: Well, and you also have emotions involved. So when you're reading a book and you're reading about a theory that is sort of cut and dried. But when you have someone standing in front of you who's frustrated or who is angry or who is upset over something and you yourself feel nervous or you feel upset or you feel frustrated, then those emotions change the way you respond to that situation. It doesn't feel like it did in the book, right? It doesn't feel like the, the big rocks, little rocks when you're actually in a situation where somebody just blew a deadline because they were focused on the wrong things. So I think that's a big part of what you can't really simulate in the classroom or in a book.
0: Yeah, I still remember a, a relatively a new manager telling me a story and he was saying, Well, you know, I I had to give someone feedback on being a poor performer and how they really had to up their game. And I had studied all the feedback models and I was ready to go. And I brought him into my office and we sat down. And as soon as I started talking, he began to cry. And suddenly Mm -hmm. all my training went right out the window because no one had trained me what to do when someone starts crying.
1: Yeah, and that's it. We are humans and work is a uniquely weird human endeavor (laughs) that we take part in this sort of strange social situation where we're responsible and accountable for things, but we are also relating to one another. So I'm sure anthropologists would be able to give us all kinds of good reasons. But again, It doesn't change the situation of here you are as a manager. And even if the anthropologist told you what was going to happen, you still have to have that conversation with that person and figure out how to do it in a way that seems like the right thing to do for that person, for yourself, for the situation.
0: Another reason that McKinsey cites that is challenging for leadership development is that leadership development is often separated from the quote unquote real work. So people learn about leadership development in one venue, but then when it comes time to do the real work, they don't really understand how to apply that.
1: Yeah. And a lot of that is modeling. So unfortunately we have some managers in the world who are not skilled managers And so then we see them as role models, and when we go out into the world of work, even if we've learned something different in the classroom, we revert to these habits of, oh, well, this is what my manager did, so that seems like what managers do, so I better do that. And I think that's a little bit of a slippery slope, because just because another manager does it doesn't mean it's a good idea. But I think a lot of managers out there in the world have just sort of come to this point of this is what I do because I don't know how to do it any differently.
0: We've probably both had the experience of of hearing new managers say, well, I'm the boss now, so people will do things because (laughs) I tell them, yeah, see, you're already laughing. Now, I used to... um, I guess I shouldn't use the name of the company, but I used to do work for a a major global organization. And I would work with managers who had been in role or had been a part of the organization for perhaps a year. And I heard that song over and over again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we talk about things like how to work with dysfunctional teams, how to manage conflict. And they would sort of sit there with their arms folded and say, well, in a high-functioning organization, these types of problems simply do not occur.
1: Yeah, and I think that's it's a huge misconception, which is the idea that as a manager, you're somehow going to have this magic wand that, that's going to make people do what you tell them to do, and it doesn't, um, but also, and we know this from psychology too, that People do things that they are motivated to do. So it is about motivation. And one method of motivation is the old school carrot and stick, right? If you do it, I'll give you a cookie. If you don't do it, then I'll smack you in the head. And that is a motivational process, which has been proven to be ineffective as a management style. So When you want to get people to do things, it's not because you tell them to do them and then punish them if they don't. It's that you create an environment where they are inspired and excited and enthusiastic about doing those things. That is much harder than just laying down the edict and saying, by tomorrow, you're going to have this done or else.
0: It's really a shift that I think we've seen over the last few decades of manager as controller of work to manager as facilitator of goals.
1: Yeah. And that those goals should be shared goals in some way. So if, and a big part of this is because the nature of work has changed. So I think we have to put that on the table too. When we were doing assembly line work, factory-based work, it was more appropriate to have this sort of command and control environment because there were things that need to be produced and it was clearly obvious how one went about producing them and if you did it the way you were supposed to do it, then you produced the things you were supposed to produce and you got paid. And now so much of our work is creative work. It's problem solving. It's innovation. It's doing things that have never been done before. And we know there's really excellent data And what I would point people to is the research by Teresa Amabile, who's at Harvard Business School, around motivating creativity. And the way that people are motivated to do creative work is just completely different than how they are motivated to do repetitive work or work that is really clearly understood. So part of the reason that management practice has changed is because the work itself has changed and therefore the practices that worked before don't work anymore.
0: And just to show you that I can name drop Harvard authors as well. (laughs) Linda Hill in her book, uh, Becoming a Manager, also makes a really, really interesting point. Um, And I can't remember the exact number, but a significant number of, of new managers fail within one year of taking on the job. And what her research showed that the main reason they failed was a complete mismatch in expectations between what the manager thought the job was going to be like and what the job actually was like.
1: Yeah, and I think that's an awesome point. And really, it's a point that is under-recognized. So we have a lot of managers in the world, and those managers are doing something every day, but that's often invisible to the people on their teams. They don't really know what their manager does. And you hear it a lot when you talk to people, oh, well, now he slash she just sits in his slash her office and is in meetings a lot and We have no idea what they're doing anymore, (laughs) whereas when they were an individual contributor, we knew they produced stuff. We could see that. So to me, I think a good manager would be very transparent about what they're doing and why they're doing it, whereas I think a lot of managers tend to sort of close that information off. Oh, well, I don't want anyone to know that I'm meeting with HR or that I'm meeting with finance or that I'm meeting with these other groups and teams that we collaborate with. But I think that is part of this, this thing that builds this mythology around what do managers do when they're in their offices. And if I think managers were more transparent about what they did, then it would be less of a, a misconception and, to your point, less of a shock and surprise to know what a manager does on a daily basis if we knew more um, from the get-go about what managers are doing. But I also think some of the reason for that lack of transparency is that a lot of managers are highly concerned that they don't know what they're doing. So they don't want to tell anyone what they're doing in their office because they're not sure it's the right thing to be doing. So it goes both ways.
0: And I think there's this notion that perception is reality. I think especially newer managers, but certainly a lot of experienced managers as well, don't realize the extent to which their own behavior influences the rest of the organization. And I don't just mean their business behavior but you know we've probably all had the experience where we see our manager locked in his boss's office for 2 hours and for all we know they're shooting the breeze or talking about the game last night but all we know is that they're locked in that office and something must be wrong and i think a lot of new managers don't understand how much their behavior is influencing what the rest of the organization is doing
1: yeah and i i think some of the best managers that i have ever ever worked for are people who come out of the gate as very positive, very enthusiastic, and role modeling that let's see how we can make this work. And I think a lot of managers who are anxious or who are uncertain do the opposite. They role model this, oh gosh, the sky is falling. And that has a ripple effect. If you're nervous as a manager, if you're worried then your team is going to be worried. If you are happy and enthusiastic and engaged, then it's more likely your team is going to be happy and enthusiastic and engaged. And that may sound overly simplistic, but I think it's a big part of a manager's job is to come in every day excited about what they're doing because that fills over onto their team and onto their colleagues and onto everyone else. So,
0: I'm a big fan of measurement, and one of the things that McKinsey brings up in their article is that one of the biggest challenges with leadership development is, is the failure to ma- measure its impact. And measuring the impact of leadership development is very challenging. If you want to measure sales effectiveness, you measure how much was sold. If you want to measure manufacturing effectiveness, you measure how much is produced. How do you measure leadership effectiveness?
1: Yeah, and it is a great, great question because I think it's in some ways intangible, and so it's hard to measure, but in other ways, you can measure it by secondary sources. So you can measure the effectiveness of a manager by the effectiveness of their team, but managers don't always want to be measured (laughs) by the effectiveness of their team. In some cases, they think that that's not a fair way to go about it. So I think you need to take a two-pronged approach to managing um, or to measuring your managers. One is direct feedback from the people who work on their team. I think not enough companies just ask, hey, does your manager do this on a regular basis? Does your manager meet with you one-on-one? Do you have goals set? Do you understand what you need to be successful? So ask those questions of the people who are in the best position to answer them, being the people on the team, and then provide that feedback directly back to the manager so they can see what their team is saying about them. So that, I think, is an important metric. And then, of course, you're going to have your standard performance metrics of the team accomplishing goals and all of those things. And then I also think the manager of that manager should have some idea about how they're doing just more anecdotally and observationally. So I think there's a a bunch of different ways that you can go about that, but I don't think enough companies Spend that time to do any measurement whatsoever.
0: I think you're right, and I also think that there's a tendency, perhaps, to think too big when it comes to measurement. Because I see a lot of organizations that, when they want to measure leadership effectiveness, they want to measure big metrics. So they want to measure attrition. They want to measure um, employee satisfaction surveys, and these are great metrics. Don't get me wrong. But the challenge with those metrics is that they usually take a a long time to show any real movement. Mm-hmm. So. If I want to measure whether or not leadership development is affecting attrition, it's probably going to take me at least a couple of years to realize if that's really moved. And that's valuable to measure, but the kinds of things you're talking about are more leading indicators. So if people are more satisfied with their jobs then odds are good that your long-term metrics will probably start looking better. But if you wait two years to figure out if what you're doing is working, you're already kind of in trouble.
1: Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I think when you look at trailing indicators, when you look at results, to your point, those metrics move too slowly. And there are too many variables in them. So team performance might have to do with the manager, but it might also have to do with resourcing. It might also have to do with external factors. So there are a lot of things that play into the overall performance of the team, and the manager is certainly a part of it. But you can't always select that piece out and just sort of look at that. So to me, the very best metric you're always going to have is the people themselves on the team and what they're experiencing day to day.
0: So we've talked quite a bit about what we think organizations need to start doing to create more effective leadership development. Now I'm going to give you all the power in the world for for five minutes. And if I give you all the power in the world, what is the one thing you want businesses to stop doing in leadership development?
1: They need to stop thinking of leadership development as a one and done effort. So it's not a workshop and then it's over. (laughs) It's not a promotion and then it's over. The journey from not leader to leader is a journey and it takes place over, I would say, six to 12 months for most people. And that begins with maybe some content in a workshop format. But it needs to continue over the course of that journey and be a continuous learning experience and an opportunity to grow, to iterate, to practice, to try new things, to get feedback and to see improvement and get better over that period of time. So if I could convince every company in America and across the world to stop doing single point boot camp leadership workshops, um, I would be very satisfied.
0: Yeah, you know, I I couldn't agree more. The metaphor I I like to use because I'm a musician and I've been playing guitar for, my gosh, about 30 years now, and and I'm still terrible. Um, (laughs) But, you know, when I try to put it in context for myself, I imagine what if the first day, if I'd never picked up a guitar before in my life, someone said, we're going to put you in a room for two weeks. We're going to make you play guitar every day. And when you leave, you're going to have to play Carnegie Hall. How I would feel about that.
1: Yeah. And it's true. It's, it's just really different. And I think it puts a level of stress on people to have that expectation that you're going to be perfect after you walk out of this one and done, as opposed to this is a learning process and a journey and you are going to make mistakes. And this is something we talk about. And I'm sure we'll talk about it in an entirely different podcast about learning culture in organizations and modeling learning culture by, as leaders, saying, I don't always know the right answer. I'm not always right. I don't always do the right thing, but I'm always in pursuit of better. I'm always trying to get better, to learn more, to be more effective. And so that's another thing that I think if I had the ability to get people to stop as opposed to companies to stop. I would like people to stop believing that they need to be perfect as managers, that if they make one mistake, it's over and it's unrecoverable and you're never going to be a good manager again. And those people are going to hate you. But instead to start with the mindset of you are going to make mistakes and you are going to be vulnerable and you better be upfront about that (laughs) from day one to your team.
0: I couldn't agree more. I'd have to say some of the worst leaders I've ever worked with are people who've been doing it for about a year and think they know everything.
1: Yeah, like teenagers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the best leaders I've ever worked with have been doing it for 20 or 30 years and will be the first people to raise their hand and say, I still have a lot to learn.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Katie Tynan, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Real Impact is produced by Performance Development Group. For more information on us, please visit our website at www.performdev.com.